Chapter Twenty One of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swisshelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Pittsburgh Saturday Visitor. After the war, the abolitionists began to gather their scattered forces and wanted a Liberty Party organ. To meet this want, Charles P. Shiras started the Albatross in the fall of forty-seven. He was the Iron City poet, author of Dimes and Dollars, and Owe oh No Man a Dollar. He was of an old and influential family, had considerable private fortune, was courted and flattered, but laid himself and gifts on the altar of liberty. His paper was devoted to the cause of the slave and of the free laborer, and started with bright prospects. He and Mr. Fleeson urged me to become a regular contributor, but Mr. Riddle objected, and the journal had five hundred readers for every one the albatross could hope. In the one I reached the ninety and nine unconverted, while in the other I must talk principally to those who were rooted and grounded in the faith. So I continued my connection with the journal until I met James McMasters, a prominent abolitionist who said sorrowfully, Well, the last number of the albatross will be issued on Thursday is it possible possible and true that is the end of its first quarter and shiras gives it up in fact we all do no use trying to support an abolition paper here while he spoke a thought struck me like a lightning flash and he had but finished speaking when i replied i have a great notion to start a paper myself he was surprised but caught at the idea and said i wish you would you can make it go if anybody can, and we'll do all we can to help you. I did not wait to reply, but hurried after my husband, who had passed on, soon overtook and told him the fate of the albatross. For this he was sorry, for he always voted a straight abolition ticket. I repeated to him what I had said to Mr. McMasters when he said, Nonsense! Then reflected a little and added, well, I do not know after all, but it would be a good idea. Riddle makes lots of money out of your letters. When we had talked about five minutes, he turned to attend to business, and I went to the journal office, found Mr. Riddle in his sanctum, and told him the albatross was dead, the Liberty Party without an organ, and that I was going to start the Pittsburgh Saturday Visitor. The first copy must be issued Saturday week, so that abolitionists would not have time to be discouraged, and that I wanted him to print my paper. He had pushed his chair back from his desk and sat regarding me in utter amazement while I stated the case, then said, What do you mean? Are you insane? What does your husband say? I said my husband approved. The matter was all arranged. I would use my own estate, and if I lost it, it was nobody's affair. He begged me to take time to think to send my husband to him, to consult my friends, told me my project was ruinous, that I would lose every dollar I put into it, and begged, entreated me, to take time, but all to no purpose, when a bright idea came to him. You would have to furnish a desk for yourself. You see, there is but one in this room, and there was no other place for you. You could not conduct a paper and stay at home, but you must spend a good deal of time here then i suddenly saw the appalling prospect thus politely presented 
i had never heard of any woman save mary kingston working in an office her father a prominent lawyer had employed her as his clerk when his office was in their dwellings and the situation was remarkable and very painful and here was i looking not more than twenty proposing to come into the office of the handsome stranger who sat bending over his desk that he might not see me blush for the unwomanly intent mr riddle was esteemed one of the most elegant and polished gentlemen in the city with fine physique and fascinating manners he was a man of the world and his prominence had caused his name to become the target of many an evil report in the bitter personal conflicts of political life i looked the facts squarely in the face and thought i have been publicly asserting the right of woman to earn a living as bookkeepers clerks saleswomen and now shall i shrink for fear of a danger any one must meet in doing as i advised this is my red sea it can be no more terrible than the one which confronted israel duty lies on the other side and i am going over speak unto the children of israel that they go forward the crimson waves of scandal the white foam of gossip shall part before me and heap themselves up as walls on either hand so rapidly did this reflection pass through my mind or so absorbed was i with it that there had been no awkward pause when i replied i will get a desk shall be sorry to be in your way but there is plenty of room and i can be quiet he seemed greatly relieved and said cheerfully oh yes there is plenty of room i can have my desk moved forward and take down the shutters when there will be plenty of light heretofore you have been jove thundering from a cloud but if you will come down to dwell with mortals we must make a place for you taking down the shutters meant exposing the whole interior of the room to view from a very public street and after he had exhausted every plea for time to get ready he engaged to have the first copy of the visitor printed on the day i had set he objected to my way of spelling the word but finding i had johnson for authority would arrange the heading to suit i was in a state of exaltation all forenoon and when i met my husband at dinner the reaction had set in and i proposed to countermand the order when he said emphatically you will do no such thing the campaign is coming you have said you will start a paper and now if you do not i will the coming advent was announced but i had no arrangements for securing either advertisements or subscribers josiah king now proprietor of the pittsburgh gazette and james h mcclelland called at the journal office and subscribed and with these two supporters the pittsburgh saturday visitor entered life the mechanical difficulty of getting out the first number proved to be so great that the forms were not on the press at three p m by five the streets were so blocked by a waiting crowd that vehicles went around by other ways and it was six o'clock january twentieth eighteen forty eight when the first copy was sold at the counter i was in the editorial room all afternoon correcting proof to the last moment and when there was nothing more i could do was detained by the crowd around the doors until it was after eleven editors and reporters were gathered in the sanctum and mr riddle stood by his desk pointing out errors to some one who should have prevented them when i had my wraps on ready to start mr fleeson 
then a clerk on the journal stepped out hat in hand and bowing to the proprietor said mr riddle it is your privilege to see mrs swisshelm to her lodgings but as you seem to decline i hope you will commission me mr fleeson was a small man and mr riddle had drawn himself to his full height and stood looking down at him saying i want it distinctly understood that mrs swisshelm's relations in this office are purely those of business if she requires anything of any man in it she will command him and her orders shall be obeyed she has not ordered my attendance but has kept her servant here all the evening to see her to her friend's house and this should be sufficient notice to any gentleman that she does not want him during the ten years we used the same editorial room mr riddle was often absent on the days i must be there and always secured plenty of light by setting away the shutters when i entered he generally made it necessary for me to go to his house and settle accounts and never found it convenient to offer his escort to any place unless accompanied by his wife the visitor was three years old when he turned one day examined me critically and exclaimed why do you wear those hideous caps you seem to have good hair mrs riddle says she knows you have and she and some ladies were wondering only yesterday why you do make yourself such a fright the offending cap was a net scarf tied under the chin and i said you know i am subject to quinsy and this cap protects my tonsils he turned away with a sigh and did not suspect that my tonsils had no such protection outside the office where i must meet a great many gentlemen and make it apparent that what i wanted of them was votes 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 for the women sold on the auction block scourged for chastity and robbed of their children and that admiration was no part of my object any attempt to aid business by any feminine attraction was to my mind revolting in the extreme and certain to bring final defeat in nothing has the church of rome shown more wisdom than in the costume of her female missionaries when a woman starts out in the world on a mission secular or religious she should leave her feminine charms at home had i made capital of my prettiness i should have closed the doors of public employment to women for many a year by the very means which now makes them weak underpaid competitors in the great workshop of the world one day mr riddle said i wish you had been here yesterday robert watson called he wanted to congratulate us on the relations we have for so long maintained we have never spoken of it but you must have known the risk of coming here he has seen it says he has watched you closely and you are an exception to all known law or the harbinger of a new era in human progress robert watson was a retired lawyer of large wealth who watched the world from his study and philosophized about its doings and when mr riddle had given me this conclusion the subject was never again referred to in our years of bargaining buying and selling paying and receding End of chapter twenty one